The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Yes, you are. Today's buzz, workplace learning. What? You have to work and learn, too? Let's get started. Disruptive technologies and shifting demographics will redefine your company's workforce. If it hasn't happened already, it's going to happen soon. Question of the day is, are you among the smart companies that are already reinventing workplace learning? How are they doing that? They're creating relevant and very effective programs that create a culture of continuous learning, and their goal is to develop innovative leaders at all levels of the organization. If you're not there yet, or if you are kind of sort of, and you're not quite sure what you're doing, I have a panel of experts who will help you get there faster, swifter, and more efficiently. Let's get my panel started. I'm going to introduce first up Mal Poulin. He's a Senior Director of Product Strategy for Ancillay, and apparently it's spelled A-N-C-I-L-E, but I have the pronunciation. And Mal sent me the following quote. The most important question to ask in the world of learning is, so what? So I will ask you, Mal Poulin, welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers, and so what? Talk to me, Mal. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, the, the so what is really the question of the day. I mean, it has, a, it has everything to do with intent and strategy, but more importantly, effectiveness and really winning. Like you said about uh, winning the game, it, it is a game, but we need to make sure we can answer it with a, a so that, and that what's at the end of that so that is behavior change, performance change, business outcomes. So we want to invest in learning and in our workforce so that we can answer that so what question effectively. Mal, who should be asking the so what question? Is it the management? Is it the head of HR? Is it the, uh, I don't know, the, the CEO of the company? Or is it the new worker coming into the workforce and saying, so what? Why do I need to learn? I already learned enough. I have a degree. I passed the job exam. I got hired. I'm doing my job. I took OJT on the job training. I'm doing my job. So what is this all about? So who is asking this question or should it be Everyone, Mal? Everyone, every, every, mm. everyone. That, that's the point. Is it's just as important for those who are investing from the CEO or the CFO down to the individual who needs to consume or contribute learning and knowledge assets to be able to um, really move that needle. And the needle is in the eye of the beholder to make sure that whatever my business is, I've got effective operations. But here's the, here's the trick, every single minute of every single day. So we need to bring it down to uh, a dedicating time at every minute of the day. So if it's a matter of training or knowledge assessment or knowledge in, uh, acquisition, then we need to make sure that we ask that question. All right, I've spent this time in doing this, so what? Can I do blank better than I could before? 
Okay, very good start to our topic. Thank you, Mal Poulon. And let's bring on our second guest panelist today. She's a veteran of SAP Radio, been on several shows. Welcome back, Jill McGillan. She is the workplace advice columnist known as Ask Jill. And more importantly, she's the founder of Next Turn Consulting. And Jill sent me the following Chinese proverb. Tell me, and I will forget. Show me, and I may remember. Involve me, and I will understand. Welcome, Jill McGillan. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Great to be here. Thank you. So talk to me. Interesting proverb. How does that apply to our topic today? We are talking about workplace learning revolution. Well, I'm going to build on what Mal said about the behavior change. I mean, that's really a lot about what learning is about. And in order for that to happen, people need to get involved in what has to change from the front end. So the learning takes place before the learning even begins by involving the participants in the learning by finding out what's going on, what 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 do they already know, what do they need to know, um, involving not just the executives and the directors and the training HR folks, but also what is it that the participants need to learn that's in the that's going to be um, in the program. And I think needs assessment, focus groups, surveys, customizing the program and involving them from the front end is going to ensure that the buy-in is there when they're actually either at the event or involved in the mentoring program or the collaborative learning event, you know, whatever the, however the learning is to take place. Involving them from the front end as well as during the program and after is really critical. Okay, thank you very much. Very interesting. Do you have a? Do you agree, by the way, with Mal Poulain and Ancelet, his comment that everybody should be asking, "So what?" and that might be, "So what's in it for me?" Is that what you you would want Absolutely. to say? Absolutely, and I I think uh, some of what Mal is talking about is making sure that you know what the outcomes are are supposed to be. So it's not just a you know that that there's a meaning and a relevance to the class or to the program to the training event to the mentoring, that you sort of work from the back forwards. Okay. Thank you very much, Jill McGillan. Pleasure to have you back on the show. And let's welcome another newcomer to the show. Her name is Jenny Dearborn. She is the Chief Learning Officer and Senior Vice President at SAP. And she sent me a very long and interesting quote from Steve Jobs. Let me read it. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Jenny Dearborn, welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Good. Thanks for joining me. Long quote. Tell me, how does this relate to our topic of the workplace learning revolution? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that Steve Jobs is really an icon of innovation and thinking differently. And corporate change as it is now needs to, uh, corporate learning as it is now needs to embrace change and, and really shed the, the norms and expectations of the past. I, I like the quotes that were that uh, were brought forth uh, by the other panelists. And I, I think that in corporate learning, we have these, um, these thinkers of the past, you know, the Kirkpatricks and, and you know, these, these icons from the, the 40s and the 50s. And, and a lot of us in corporate learning are really living in those shadows still. And we're thinking about uh, learning in really some old-fashioned 
um, traditional terms and not embracing what new learners need, what new corporate executives need from us. You know, the, our clients um, in the businesses really need uh, the learning profession to drive. And um, with, with everything that we have access to from technology and big data and predictive analytics and, you know, incredible, um, fun, innovative uh, media ways that we can bring life into learning. There's so many people when I go out and speak with chief learning officers at other companies that are really stuck in these old mental mm-hmm. frameworks and mental models of how learning should be run. It's, you know, you get a classroom and you take attendance and then you say, congratulations mm-hmm. to me, you know, 60% of the people that wanted I wanted to take this class, took the class, and, and then you go back to math school. You know, so what? Who cares, right? You know, so a bunch of people took a class. What does it mean, right? What is the value to the business? How, did you change people's lives? Can you measure that? Did you change the outcome to the business? How do you know, right? Don't tell me that, you know, you, your class got a five out of six in employee satisfaction, you know, when they took a, an end-of-course evaluation score. So what? So they had a good day. Who cares, mm-hmm. right? Did it make a difference? And how can you measure that? So I really like this jobs quote because it's about thinking differently. And don't be afraid, right? Follow, you know, you're the learning professional. You drive the conversation, right? You know what needs to be done. Have the courage of your convictions <laughs> to make those changes and, and take the learning profession in your company to that next level of effectiveness uh, in really driving change in your organization, measurable, impactful change. Thank you, Jenny. Great comments. I heard you actually say the word fun relating to learning. I heard you say the word bring to life, OMG. And then I heard you again go back to Mal Poulon's, which we have to crochet this on a pillow somewhere. So what? So what? You had a class. So what? 90 people showed up. So what? You gave them a certificate of completion. So what? That sounds right on our topic, Jenny Dearborn, workplace learning revolution. This is revolutionary, isn't it? Who? I'm just going to ask you one more question before we go to our, our our uh, icebreaker of what's in your cup today. Jenny, who gets this in corporate America today, corporate global? Who gets this in big companies? Is this something that's creeping into the mindset of the HR professional, the HCM professional? Is it something that people are reading about on websites? Oh, my God, we have to make learning fun. What are we going to do now? Who, Who is leading the charge, and is it taking hold? Uh, well, that's a, your, your question is nuanced. So um, who gets um, understanding that learning should be fun. Uh, there's lots of companies that get, that get that. Companies that are driving um, gamification, like Bunchball and Badgeville and things like that, and, and understand that uh, when learning is a challenge and when you're overcoming obstacles and when you're, you know, having a fun sense of competition with your peers or against yourself or something like that. So those companies get, I mean, there's a lot of really fascinating deep psychology in learning. And when, it, when, it, uh, when you have an emotional connection or emotional reaction to something that you learn, you know, it's not surprising that you remember it better, right? Whether that you know, you hope that that emotion that you're eliciting is positive, 
Um, but sometimes even negative, like you, you know, you think back to yourself, like a really negative experience, you're going to remember every, you know, like mm-hmm. every second is, is frozen in time of that experience because it's, that's the way the brain works. So if you can, as you're designing learning experiences in your company, if you can create an emotional connection, hopefully positive with the content, then your learners will remember that. So companies that understand that aspect of it, the fun aspect of it, there are several. Um, companies that understand another part of what your question was around um, making learning impactful and measuring those, um, those real business, um, uh, you know, key performance indicators. There are uh, some companies, but fewer, right? There are few companies out there that truly understand how to measure the business impact of the learning interventions um, that are initiated at that company and really saying this particular course, I can tie this course to driving a reduced sales cycle or increased throughput or lowering, you know, customer complaints or something like that. There are there are not that many companies that can, at the course level or the learning object level, connect it with measurable business impact results. Those are fewer, but they're increasing. And that's certainly, I'm sure my panelists also, um, you know, are driving this same um, philosophy, but this is something that I write about and speak about and, you know, blog about and all that stuff because there are just not enough of us out there that are really um, – business thought leaders and are making that business connection to uh, the learning interventions that we're driving. Thank you, Jenny. I realized I threw a long question at you. Great answer. And you know what? I'm going to give you all a little bit of a break here because we're going to go to something we call fun on the show. It's called What's in Your Cup Today? Because HR Trends with Game Changers is part of our umbrella show called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'm going to ask Mal Poulan at Ansoleil. What are you drinking today? Or Mal, perhaps even better, what do you wish was in your cup? Talk to me. Um, apple juice. Um, the, the reason is because I watch my two-year-old grandson drink it all the time. He's the cutest. He's the smartest, most innovative <laughs> little guy I've ever met. There must be something in it. So I figured I better pour myself a cup as well because he's got it going on. But the other thing about him is he's in a generation we haven't even thought about serving yet yes, because he's, like, right. way behind. He's got years to go before we get there. But like Jenny was just saying, we need, to prepare the, we need to prepare the slate right now so that we satisfy everyone coming in, whether it's an age generational learning issue or just a style or an impatience that we need to address. And it's one thing that two-year-olds are is they're impatient, and they don't lose that as they get older these days. So I'm watching him, and I'm pouring the same. Great answer. Do you want to throw a brand in there? Is it a special kind of apple juice? Is it Mott's? Is it Adam and Eve? Who is it? Come on. Whatever's on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mal. Now we know. Thank you very much. Jill McGillan, what's in your cup today? Or? I'm drinking Max's Blend, which is a combination of French and Colombian. So it's strong and it's smooth. Two, two good qualities in a coffee, and I bought it at uh, Progressive Grounds, which is a, you know, sort of a prototypical name for a San Francisco coffee shop, my favorite co- coffee shop in a little neighborhood in San Francisco. So that's okay, what thank you for. very much. It sounds delicious. And Jenny Dearborn, what's in your cup today? Or talk to me. Um, well, um, I am drinking a uh, smoothie, and mm. this may sound... 
the ingredients of the smoothie may sound strange, but I just just bear with me. So in my smoothie, I um, I put some running shoes and acrylic paint and Easter candy and water and ground them up, and that what that's what fuels me. So I am a, a runner and a painter, and I have four kids, and so we're high on Easter candy. But, you know, you would look at my drink, and you'd say, it looks like mostly water. So it, okay. it looks like I'm drinking water, but I want you to know that, that it's actually a smoothie of these other ingredients. Thank you. That's very, very creative, Jenny. We've never had a drink quite like that on the show. We've had some very interesting coffee break drinks. I'm going to give my panel a break because you're all working so hard. I'm talking today with Mal Poulon and Soleil, Jill McGillan at Next Turn Consulting, Jenny Dearborn, Chief Learning Officer at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. In case you're keeping track, this is Season 2, Show Number 5. So there, so what? It's important to us. Our topic today Today is Workplace Learning Revolution, developing 21st century leaders, and perhaps Mal's grandson at age two is going to be one of those leaders as well. We're going to take a break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back with a marathon roundtable. You know what's coming. Brad, out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Thanks for joining us again. I'm talking to Mal Poulan Ansele, Jill McGillan at Next Turn Consulting, and Jenny Dearborn, Chief Learning Officer at SAP. It's time for our roundtable. We're going to kick off the marathon with our first guest today, Mal Poulan Ansele. Mal, you sent me the following interesting comment in your notes before the show. I'm going to ask you to talk to me about it for a couple minutes, and then we're going to ask Jill and Jenny in no particular order to chime in. Uh, we all know there's no free lunch, and we all know there's no free training, especially when you're trying to do it better. We're talking today about the workplace training revolution, not evolution, revolution, different kind of power. So you told me, you said, Bonnie, executives might not really want to invest in training or learning. So I asked before, I think in the opening, I asked Jenny, who gets it, who understands the need for fresh and fun and lively training that matters? Who gets the so what you train some people today? But what if they don't want to invest? What is the, what's the outcome of that? Mal, why don't you start us talking, please? 
Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. I think, you know, it's a question of actually defining training or learning. Do, you know, executives really want to invest there? I think they want to invest in the workforce, and I think they want to invest wisely in how they can support their operations. So it's really bringing it out of the classroom the way both Jill and Jenny were discussing earlier and actually putting it right in front of the worker slash learner that they are enabled to do their job and that we can at the end of every sentence, do approve it. We can prove that they did because this changed. The um, inventory turns in the plant were faster. Sales were faster. Uh, analytics made it through for decision-making and reporting faster. It's everything's a matter of fast. So I think we're really looking at do people really want to, do executives really want to invest in training? And I think if we had them all on the phone, they'd, they'd say a unanimous no. But when we ask them, <laughs> do they want to invest in their people, of course the answer is yes. So based on the topic you set forward for today as far as disruptors and the revolution, there are ways we have today that we never had before to be able to enable them to invest. It's funny, I'm part of a software company, and I actually was part of SAP myself way back, and a line I used all the time was that it's not about the software, which is kind of heresy because it really isn't. It's about the strategy Software like ours and SAPs actually just enables the strategy. So we need to make sure that when we talk about investment, we're really focusing on what's going to get the job done. But the job is the key, not the learning objective or the training activity itself. Oh, good point. Jill McGill and Jenny Dearborn, who wants to chime in? I'm sure you have something to add to what Mal just said. Yeah, who wants is, to take this? This is Jenny. I'll jump in. So mm-hmm. um, I think that you're still positioning it, Mal, uh, Maybe a little, let's see, I think I would position it differently to my executive business clients, um, that it's not, do you want to invest in training, but you want to invest in your people. And, and I think that instinctively, you know, executives will say, yeah, I want to invest in my people, but it's still not a priority. I think there's still a comma, but, um, but so I, how I position it when I talk to my clients is you're investing in your business. Right, so I even drop the word people. So I even make it less um, soft and mm-hmm. make it all about business results and say, um, you know, when you invest in your um, your assets, your business results are better. And there's a nice um, Beerson. Uh, uh, analysis that I use whenever I start a client relationship. And I talk about um, companies with a strong learning culture and how those companies outperform their peers. And, then, and the, the data there is that, that 46% uh, are more likely to be first to market in an innovation. Uh, 37% have greater employee productivity. 34% have better response <laughs> to customer needs. 26% have greater ability to, to, to deliver quality products. are more prepared to meet the future demand through better skills for the future workforce. But the clincher there is is 17% are more likely to be the market share leader in profitability. So you just absolutely put it in the terms of the business KPIs or key performance indicators for that business client. And then you say, do you want to have 17% greater uh, market share and be the leader in profitability? Yes. Okay. Well, what does that translate to you in terms of, you know, your financial returns? And you talk to your clients about greater revenue and greater margin, and then you say, would you like to, you know, get a 3,000% return on investment to achieve that greater margin? Yes, I would. Okay, great. 
then I'm going to spend $100,000 up front, and I'm going to deliver you, you know, this many millions down the line. Um, is that a good investment? Yeah, okay, then get out of my business, you know, get out of my hair and let me go do my work because I'm going to go do this investment program and I'm going to deliver you these business results, right? So you talk uh-huh. to it 100% in business terms. And how you get there, that's your job as a learning professional to, to make those connections, and they don't even need to know it. I mean, you can say, if you're interested, I can run you through a project plan of how I'm going to achieve these business results. And they'll say, sure, or great, or, or no, why don't you just go execute that or go talk to my, you know, chief of operations about those details. Um, but I, you know, I'm, when I talk to business clients, it's purely in business terms. I don't use the word training. I don't use the word learning. I don't use the word, you know, any of those softer words. It's, it's just, you know. Uh, pure business. But just pure business. And wow, it's, Jenny, and I, and that's I've insightful. Never, yep. Yeah, and, and I've never had an executive turn me down. I've never, you know, in my career said, you know, it. well, sorry, since I started changing my, my language, when I mm-hmm. used to say, would you like to buy a training program, they'd say, absolutely, hit the door. No way. Get out of here. <laughs> you yep. know, hit the road. Hit the road, lady. Um, but, you know, when I, you know, several years ago changed my language to be pure MBA language, mm-hmm. it's, it's smooth sailing ever since. Thank you, Jenny. Joe McGillan, I know you have something to say about this. Agree, disagree? What side of the fence are you on? Talk learning, I, talk business, or I both? I definitely agree, and I also think that the differentiating factor in best places to work is part of the, the culture of learning and development, continuous learning. So it's not only talking to executives about what they need, but a lot of it is coming from the employee base, people that are smart and educated and want to grow and develop, they're asking for more learning and development programs. They're asking for mentors. It's part of the culture of a good company to want that. So I I don't know that, I mean, I think we're really privileged in the Bay Area. We've got workforces that are smart, well-educated, and really want to get promoted. It's a very competitive workforce in the, in the Bay Area. So a lot of my clients, it's the employees that are asking for, the, for, for training programs, for mentors, for collaborative technology, and for continuous learning. So it's really, it, it's a very advantageous program. But I just want to harken back to some of the things we've said earlier. Some of the reasons that the Bay Area, I think, is at, always at the forefront is because some of the things we've mentioned, both Mal and Jenny are Bay Area, uh, working in Bay Area employees. And when I go to conferences across the country, some of the traditional models are still very much in place. I'd say we're at the forefront here because the whole idea of participant-centered learning and using metrics to measure outcomes and looking at training and not so much as an event sort of the old-fashioned model of the subject matter expert standing in front of the group, the what mm-hmm. you would call the sage on the stage, that is moving towards, I think, you know, that's really moving out. And the new model that we're talking about here where, you know, it's really part of the business, it's looked at as, as a tool to grow a company, is more of the forward thinking. And I think, you know, there's, there's an old adage that California is five years ahead of the rest of the country, and I think in particular the Bay Area mm-hmm. is because some of the, a lot of the technology is in the, in the Bay Area. So um, I think a lot of what we're talking about today is, 
you know, just just what's happening here and leading the country in a sense, and I'm excited to be a part of it. But when I talk to peers that are in different parts of the country, I can see that it, there's a little lag, and I think I'm excited to be involved in tech companies and on the forefront because I think this is really the way the way that it has to go. It has to move in this direction because, you know, you, you've got to show that there's value in order for an executive to be convinced that it is. And I think, you know, employees are going to see this more and more with mobility taking off and on-demand learning. And, you know, we've got so many resources now to convey information outside of the traditional classroom instructor-led learning. And I think that's going to become more and more such that people, executives are going to to want that more. So I I think I agree with everything that's been said, and I think – there's a lot of good models out there that are leading the way. Thank you, Jill. Mal or Jenny, you have anything you want to comment on what Jill just added, please? Yeah, I, w- I would love to. I think, you know, what both of them said, actually, I think the vocabulary shift is huge, and I think that's going to get us where we're going to need to be on the other side of this revolution. So I think, you know, Jenny's right as far as really focusing that change of vocabulary. And, and one of the things that I've, I've touted for a long time is the whole concept of enablement rather than training or learning. In other words, the old, help me do my job and get out of the way. But what that means is, you know, mm-hmm. provide the stage, but not with the sage on the stage, but with information. Because really, knowledge is the asset that we need to make sure is managed, curated, shared, deployed, and really exploited. So I think from, especially what Jill was just saying, too, is programmatically, from a learning professional perspective, the best thing we can do is enable that process of enablement. It really is focusing on that frontline performer more than the executives, perhaps. But on the other hand, it does, nothing, there's no free lunch, so someone's got to still mm-hmm. pay for that pay program right. and that capability overall. But I think that vocabulary shift is, is really going to be a big battle we all need to uh, fight in the, in the coming year. Well, we're fighting it right now. We are. Jenny, any comments before I take this in a different direction? Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, thanks. So I think that um, what Jill said was really interesting about the employee's perspective. Um, employees want to work for a company that they know is making uh, wise investments in their future success, right? So, you know, we have found, and I've seen lots of examples of this in uh, at other companies where you know, a really strong learning program, um, a really strong learning culture is a recruiting tool, um, is a retention tool. Um, you know, that, that's the, in the millennials, that's, you know, in the top five carebouts for this new generation that's going to be 50% of the workforce by 2020 and 75% of the workforce by 2025. You know, this, mm. this generation coming online wants to be invested in. They want to know that their career is being well managed. They're not going to just get a job and then go sit in a cubicle somewhere. Um, you know, but what are you doing to invest in me and grow me? And so, you know, my organization has won some nice, you know, industry recognition for the different um, programs that we've put in place, and and you know, specifically the the connection to measurable business impact results mm-hmm. for those learning programs, and being able to share that with uh, prospective new employees. You know, if you come here you should know that you're joining this amazing learning culture and this learning organization um, that can, you know, practically guarantee your success, right? Because we're going to put you through this fantastic enablement program, this development program. We've got, you know, this whole path 
you know, mapped out for you so that you can really be successful and, and have this amazing career. I mean, if you think about the folklore and and rightly deserved around the GE um, Management and Leadership Academy, right? You know, if you somebody said that they graduated from GE and they started as an individual contributor and they ended as a vice president, you know that they went through an amazing leadership development mm-hmm. program that was rigorous and, you know, incredibly thoughtful and, you know, it just... Everybody in industry knows this about GE. And so companies that have that strong learning culture, a track record of development, you know, that's where the employees of the future want to go work. And so it makes it, so that's another thing for as learning professionals that we can share with our business clients about, you know, the importance of um, recruiting and retention and all this amazing young mm-hmm. talent uh, coming online and don't you want these people to invent the next you know Twitter or whatever inside your company as opposed to going outside and and you know uh, doing you know having their innovation and their amazing ideas in some startup wouldn't you rather that that happened inside your your company and that innovation was in house and what can we do to recruit and retain these this fantastic talent? Thank you, Jenny. Thank you all for that great thread. I want to take this in a slightly different direction. We've talked about it, around it, but we haven't quite dived into the bottom of this pool. Workplace learning has changed because we have a workplace that has many different generational segments all working, hopefully side by side in some kind of harmony. So today we've got the millennials, we've got the Gen Xers, we've got the boomers like me. Yes, we do not want to retire. Heads up, we're still here. And we've got everybody in between. So when you talk about workplace, place learning, traditional learning for my generation was, as we've talked about, you sit in the classroom, the sage on the stage, you took notes, you took a test, yada, yada. Millennials aren't going to sit still for that. So Jill McGillan, I want you to start us off on this segue, please, talking about what does it take to create the learning that will resonate with every generation in the workforce, or do you have to get them in different classrooms or different methods? How do you get it done so that it matters? And so you can answer the business need of, so what? What's in it for my business? Jill, start us, please. Okay. I think <clears throat> I think the idea of the millennials, is it's an important thing to talk about because information was easily accessed from the time they were young. So the idea of the privileged subject matter expert is just not relevant for that particular generation. They've also had complete access to all sorts of technology, so their attention span might be shorter than the the more traditional linear type of learning that mm-hmm. was more comfortable for the baby boomer. So I think there's a you, you need to start with respecting the way that the learner learns and the way that the learner learns is going to be different with a millennial and a baby boomer. And having said that, using respect as sort of the, the crux of where you start off, people still want to interact with people. And online learning is great. I think it's important. I think there's wonderful collaborative technology available today. I also think that there will always be a, a place for face-to-face learning because of the best practice sharing that can happen in, in a group setting. And that can happen on the phone and, and with collaborative technology, but there'll always be a place, I think, for all of that because there's a, a knowledge sharing that can happen with peer-to-peer learning in an event-type situation. So I, I think 
all of it is important, and I, I think there's not one size fits all as it relates to learning. I think the classroom situation is probably less important than it used to be because we have so many options. But I, I also think there's a place for that as well in team building and leadership development because of the, the ability to share best practices. And we've talked a little bit about it already, but I think tapping into the participants' knowledge and making sure to leverage the different generations of information. I don't think that you need to just have 30-year-olds in, in a group setting. I think the mix is really healthy, and it brings synergy to a group. Thank you, Jill. Mal Poulon at Ancelay, what do you agree, disagree? What do you think about what well, Jill offered? I agree. I, I might just, again, like change the vocabulary a little bit. I think the attention mm-hmm. span issue is for sure a demarcation of the uh, generation to generation, but I, I, I like to call it more of an impatience. Again, I, I look at my grandson and I mm-hmm. look at his his now uh, friends and colleagues that are 20, 30, 40 years older. And even though, like you, I'm in the, the boomer generation, mm-hmm. I like to think of myself as an impatient millennial. And I think that really is at the heart of what we <laughs> need to do to make sure that we satisfy the operational need, the scenario-based knowledge acquisition, so that when we have a personal event face-to-face, we invest in that. Sometimes it involves significant expense for travel, that we really invest in that very intelligently so that we're making the most of that. It's not to gain facts and figures and information we could have gotten another way. That's where we relay exactly what she just said, the stories that really make it, the learning relevant and make it stick. So I think, you know, I think we're really looking at um, what we've got an excuse of the, the multiple generations in the workforce and saying that the age separates them. And I'd like to think of it more of just a, and impatience to get to that information. And it's, it really is a matter of providing what's just for me. They're very self-centered. And I say that like it's a bad thing. It's not. It's, it's really mm-hmm. all about them. So we need to make sure that as learning professionals, we set that table so that people can eat at it. Sometimes it's electronic and sometimes it's personal, but it is a matter of sharing information, the really a valuable asset of all of our companies, so that everyone can take advantage of it and be effective as they change their job Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because <laughs> let's face it, I mean, the, the length of time people stay in their job with no change to their responsibilities, those days are gone. And I think we need to make sure we support the, the people and the business as much as we possibly can. Thank you. Jenny Dearborn, I know you have opinions on this, the multiple generations side-by-side or stacked up in the workplace. How do you approach them when you're designing your learning programs? What have you found as the chief learning officer at SAP? Yeah, I I agree with the comments said so far. Um, And also when you, you know, when I work with uh, Generation X and, and the boomers and I and I describe the types of uh, learning preferences that the millennials have I always get boomers saying well I'd like that too and don't mm-hmm. don't think that I'm you know you know some dinosaur cuz I'm not I mean that sounds fun I'd like to I'd like to have a game in how mm-hmm. I learn and and do some onboarding, and yeah, I think I'd like to have an online social community that yeah. um, helps me, you know, better understand the content, and, and I think it makes sense that we do some online learning, 
uh, beforehand, and then we work with a coach or a mentor. And then instead of going to a five-day instructor-led class, maybe we have a one-day instructor-led class, and then we do some online collaborative, you know, action learning project afterwards with a cohort of people that I've been with throughout this whole program. And then we go into a, a community that carries us through. That sounds pretty good to me too. So I think it's more of a, a an evolution of instructional design. And our um, ability in the learning profession to adapt and change and understand um, human behavior and human motivation and preferences better. So, yes, there is an impatience. And I like how Mal said, you know, it's, it's uh, not really a generational difference, but it's more around, you know, those who are impatient and, and those embrace technology. And I've, I've been in, in the tech space for 25 years, and, and I've seen, you know, that everybody, regardless of their age, that's in this industry and in this area of the world, you know, in Silicon Valley and in tech, you know, very consistently similar preferences for how they engage with learning and knowledge and information and enablement and field readiness and all of the ways you want to call it. So I, I don't, yes, there are distinctive differences in the generations. You betcha. And okay. that really plays yep. out in, um, the benefits packages, I'd see more so than the learning and enablement programs and um, that we all need to get smarter about how we design learning differently, and that's really the differentiator. Interesting. Jenny, if you told me that I, as a baby boomer member of the SAP workforce, was not entitled to have gamification as part of my learning, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be really annoyed, and I yeah. think Mal would, too. That, uh-huh. don't, yeah, don't, don't shut us out from the good stuff, because it is fun. I think we're all impatient at some degree. Maybe the baby boomers are impatient because we've been around so long. We've seen the evolution of this workforce learning revolution, and maybe we're tired of the traditional just because yeah. we know what it is we want something new and fresh amuse me entertain me engage me i'm speaking for baby boomers very proudly jenny i want to go in a slightly different direction something one uh, that you told me before the show we're going to take a break in four minutes so we're going to keep this tight and i want to go around the table uh, we've been talking from the perspective of the learning professionals you and mal and jill what are you designing what does management what is management willing to invest what's the business justification for learning great but jenny you told me some of your general advice is very telling no one should ever wait for a training class or direction from management to get what they need to be successful employees must be proactive talk to me briefly about this and then we'll get mal mal's and jill's input and then we'll go to break go ahead jenny well, I think the, the, um, a good learning department is going to lay out for its employees um, a path and recommendations, but the world is changing very fast, and employees really need to take ownership to drive what they want um, and seek it out, right? Um, uh, most companies have all of the components um, of what makes a great um, work, you know, a, a great place to work. Jill was mentioning the, you know, the great places to work survey from, you know, that's done annually. Um, and the components of those are, you know, you have a mentoring program, you have a coaching program, you have informal learning, all that stuff. Some companies are really good at packaging that and handing it very cleanly in a nice infographic to their employees, you know, and they just leave these breadcrumbs and it's so easy to find. Um, and other companies are not as good at packaging that, but they probably have the same elements. And But the employee just needs to work a little harder. So I guess you know, yes, a wonderful 
um, corporate learning department is a great um, recruiting tool um, mm-hmm. for employees. But if you, at first blush, think that you don't have that at your at whatever company you're in, don't despair. Just dig deeper and mm-hmm. really go and find it because it's probably there, right? If you are motivated enough, you can create that learning circle, that learning community of people who can get you all the development that you need, you know, the stretch assignments, the special projects, the mentor, the coach, the informal learning, you know, if you are super proactive and you really make it happen, you can make your own luck. You can create your path that is absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic. So, you know, I I really put a lot of this on, you know, on the shoulders of the learner that they just have to work a lot harder. Very well put. How in the world do you think we had, we got the genesis of SAP radio? <laughs> I created it two and a half years ago, completely out of thin air and smoke and mirrors, and a manager said, interesting, go for it. And here we are, 200 shows, oh, probably about 800 guests, and a half a million listeners in 100 countries later. So, Jenny, I couldn't agree with you more. Find it, dig in, learn it, figure it out, be proactive. Jill McGillan, quickly from you, uh, thoughts on what we just talked about with Jenny. How proactive should the learner be in taking charge of their own education in the workforce? I think it's really important, and I also think there is a responsibility for the organization. Ironically, a couple years ago, I did a review of all of the um, the best place to work survey in, locally, and I interviewed several VPs, uh, someone like in, in Jenny's position, of asked them several questions on why they got the best place to work, and it was really a fascinating survey. It's actually on my website if anyone wants to check it out. But the one question that had the same response universally from those companies I surveyed, and they're all best places to work into it and several other large companies, how can other companies help their employees feel their organization is the best place to work? And the response from all respondents was the same. Ask your employees what they want. Mm -hmm. And so I think in those organizational surveys and maybe at, at the time of recruiting people into a company, finding out from employees what is it that they want, what is it they expect, that's an opportune time to really get some really good data on What's the expectations of the employees? Because unfortunately, a lot of employees leave companies with having unmet expectations because they didn't express them, not that they weren't met, but they didn't actually talk about what they need. And I think that the empowerment that Mel talked about earlier is is shifting, fortunately. I think it's a really important question to ask. What do you expect from us? What, What For a manager to ask an employee, for HR to ask a new employee, what is it that you're expecting from us? So we can start doing the match. Thank you, Malpula, and give you about one minute so we can take a break. If not, we'll just go straight through. If you want to talk longer, I'll leave it up to you. No, I, I can do it in a minute here, and I think okay. as Jill said it, the pronouns I think they used, and, the, and one particular noun that Jenny used I think is the most important of all, and that's the word community is what Jenny was saying. Mm-hmm. And Jill kept saying the word us and, and we, and I think that's really important. I think the, you know, the effectiveness of empowering the, the worker, I'm not even going to say the learner, but the worker, to be responsible for his or her own learning and knowledge acquisition 
so that, that's the end of that so what question, <laughs> so that mm-hmm. they can be more effective on the job is a matter of consuming and contributing both. I mean, there's a big and there. Communities go both ways. So it's a matter of not just pulling and, and uh, making sure they take what's there, but also contributing back as they become subject matter experts or have something to share. I think the twist, and we can probably t- touch on this later if there's time, is more of the validation. One of the things Jenny said about uh, readiness, employee readiness to do something, whatever the something is in a business transformation, business transformation, is there still is that need for validation, even within this community. You think of that as being very loose. I think with technologies today, we have the ability to tighten that up. So there's a certain amount of obligation and accountability for these communities of people, of workers, that both consume and contribute to the knowledge watering hole. So I, I think that, you know, that's the key when we focus on what is the what does the worker need? Well, whether they know it or not, they need to work within communities so that they can thrive. Thank you very much, Mal. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Mal Poulan at Ansoleil, Jill McGillan at Next Turn Consulting, Jenny Dearborn, Chief Learning Officer at SAP, to take a look forward either to 2019, five years ahead of today, or if you love the phrase, hindsight is 2020, take a leap six years ahead to 2020 and tell me what you think will change about work force learning, workplace learning. Will the revolution be over? Will we already have developed the core of our 21st century leaders or will there be more work to be done? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to us live here. It's HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. It's Tuesday, April 22nd, 2014. Woohoo! We'll be right back. You don't want to miss the predictions. Brad out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today hr tactics must be comprehensive and precise today's reality your hr department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce diversity and inclusion policies work-life integration challenges and more the bottom line you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals optimize your employee engagement and become an industry-leading employer of choice hr trends with game changers is presented by sap visit www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying hr trends with game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are. It's time for our crystal ball round. We're looking ahead to the future of workplace learning revolution. Will the revolution be over by 2019 or 2020? Let's start off this round with Mal Poulan at Ansele. Mal, please start. 
The answer is never. It's never over. <laughs> okay. It's, it's always revolving, evolving. And, you know, even though I, I work for a learning technology organization, you know, I, I'd love to say, well, our solutions can solve it all. But, of course, it's not, that's not the issue. We make strides. We all make strides on the technology front every day to enable pretty much everything we've talked about uh, all morning here. But I think the challenges in the next five years are not that different than the challenges we faced in the last five years. And it's all about people and strategy and investment and governance that, uh, that really makes the whole thing work as far as what we call success in learning in the workplace. We've, we've all been to school, and whether we like it or not, we revert back to what we know, whether we enjoyed it or not. So we, we mm-hmm. tend to the traditional, but I think the, the challenge is going to be to really push ourselves going forward. But it's all, it's all about people and strategy and really that letting go. And so as both Jenny and Jill had really talked about, letting the employee do what they need to do, we just need to enable them to do it as best we can. So it's, it's never over. It's always going to be something. We, we'll have a different discussion, but it's not going to be substantially different in five years, just a different set of scenarios. And, Mal, are you going to continue to be an impatient millennial, a.k.a. boomer, do you think? I promise I will. <laughs> any, I hope so. Do you, any plans to retire? Just curious. We're, nobody's no, listening. It's just you and no. me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got, you know, 10 or 15 more good ones left in me. I, think I love it. I think I do, too. As long as they'll have me, I'm here. That's Jill McGill and Next Term Consulting. Give me your predictions, please. Jill, no, you know how it works. Go ahead. Okay. I think that really uh, – Good companies will have a competitive advantage. The good companies will be considered those with strong learning programs and that have the willingness, the money, and the attitude of developing their employees. I think there's that need will continue. I think the, the discussion we've had around metrics will only grow. People, will, I mean, executives will want to see measurements in place of the value of the learning programs. I think the mobility where that's a new, relatively new um, interface will be standardized and will be very common, mobility and learning, on-demand learning. I think the whole idea of anytime, anywhere via the cloud learning will also be very standardized in five years. It won't be sort of the newest, latest, and greatest. I think off-the-shelf programs Public seminars will probably decrease and customization where training is really or learning is really very much tailored to the participants and to the need of the organization will increase. And I think colleges actually will start getting with the program doing more online courses. I think there'll be, uh, there'll be more viewing of the value of that and the uh, dollars will increase in colleges because I think right now there's the mode of uh, teaching is fairly outmoded with this sort of standard classroom setting. Um, UC Berkeley, I know, is one school that started online learning about a year and a half ago. I think there'll be more of that. That'll be more common. And so those global walls will break down. I think you'll be taking classes online with people from different countries. Mm. I think that will be more common. Those were all things. Those are all things I think we'll start seeing more and more of. Thank you very much, Jill McGill and Jenny Dearborn. We have plenty of time for you. Take your full two minutes, and we might even have time for a bonus round. Go ahead, Jenny. What do you see? You want to go to 2019 or 2020 or even farther out, Jenny? <laughs> I'll just speak to the, uh, the future in general and not 
not tie okay. it to a year. Um, okay. So I, I really see the the learning modality or the the framework of the past is about controlling information. Um, it's about you know a centralized learning group who controls and disseminates and decides what needs to be you know who needs to know what and when they need to know it and it's it's very you know, it's, a, it's about that command and control. Um, who controlled the learning catalog? Who controlled the learning management system, et cetera? That's the past. Mm-hmm. And the future is this democratization of, of learning content. Anybody can know anything from anywhere. You can Google it. You can go to, you know, any MOOC. You know, you know there's, there's companies like Corsica and Udacity and, um, you know, and, and get the MOOC that you need. You can go to TED Talks, et cetera. So it Learning is coming from everywhere. There's this content ubiquity. And so it really is putting a panic in corporate, in traditional corporate learning de- departments who are saying, how can I, how can I lock down and control this? And, and my perspective is you can't. So you need to embrace it, right? You need to understand mm-hmm. um, the learning department of the future is about governance, is, is about creating the structure where we can all, you know, use and harness this content ubiquity um, and come together in some meaningful way where we're about, you know, setting the standards of what you need to know. But how you learn it, that's up to you. You want to read a book, you want to go talk to your friends, you want to read a white paper, you want to take a traditional training class, you know, whatever. That's that's your, figure out your own cup of tea, right? Um, As the corporate learning department, I'm here to say, these are the standards of what you need to know, and however you figure it out on your own, you know, God bless, go for it, right? So it's about governance in the future, and we'll see crowdsourcing um, in uh, creating content. We'll see a democratization of, of, of how content is created, how content is, is delivered. You'll see peer-to-peer as absolutely the norm and not content coming from the, the central uh, sage on the stage or that central um, um, learning department, and you'll really see that everything has a reputation score. So your reputation will be known and will um, and will open doors or close them, um, and it will be vital for corporate learning departments to be totally above board and totally transparent um, in uh, sharing the reputation of the content um, and the instructors, and and that's some you know. And not just corporate learning departments, but really the future in life and everything. You see, right now, you see Glassdoor.com at rates CEOs. You see RateYourProfessor.com on all U.S. campuses where college students are saying, you know, this professor stunk. You know, this mm-hmm. professor was great. Um, you'll see you can no. Run, but you can't hide. Yep. Go ahead, yeah. Jenny. I can give you ten, ten more seconds because we're almost out of time. Go yeah, ahead. So we are see, out of time. There will be no tolerance. Um, for enablement of any kind that doesn't meet the needs of the learners because of, because of this transparency and this rating. Thank you, Jenny Dearborn. See. Time for us to wrap up. Mal Polanadonsole, Jill McGillan, next turn. Jenny Dearborn, SAP. Thank you to Mike Montalban. Great tweetings. Thanks for your support. Carolyn Cahoot for sponsoring the series. Brad and the Business Channel team, tomorrow is Wednesday. I'll see you at Coffee Break with Game Changers here on the Business Channel, 8 a.m. Pacific and Thursday. It's Future Business with Game Changers, 7 a.m. Pacific. Monday, we're back with Financial Excellence, 10 a.m. Pacific. And Tuesday, we're back here again with HR Trends. Here's my call to action. 
fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like my panel. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. See you tomorrow on Coffee Break. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.